Welcome to the Reimagined Church Podcast with Pastor Robert Tanner. You can listen weekly on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you prefer to listen to podcasting. You can learn more about Reimagined Church by visiting us online at reimaginedpeople.com or by downloading our app for your Apple and Android devices. Now, let's join the service for this week's message. This morning, we're going to go into our fourth message in our current series, Dreams, Destinies, Callings, Purposes, and Tests. Largely, uh, over the, the number of weeks now, we've been taking a look at how how we get to our God-given destinies and tests of our character we will encounter along the way. Tests we must pass. You've, you've heard Pastor Robert say that a number of times as we've been going through this, this series. Tests we must pass in order to get from one season to the next or one stage of our growth to the next. Tests we will be given opportunities to take over and over again if necessary. Why? Because what we've been trying to help instill in all of us is don't look at when we don't do so well at a test as I have failed. Instead, just look at it as God's going to give me another opportunity to do better at this next time. And again, do better at this next time until I pass it and then I can move forward and, and closer and closer we will get to our destiny. Remember some of the things Pastor Robert was sharing with us about condemnation and conviction. Right When we don't do so well, we do not want to give condemnation room because that condemnation is going to want to try to stall us from trying again. We can try again, and we will be given opportunities again and again from God. Why? Because he's for us. He's for us. He's not, he's not against us. So these opportunities that we get to take tests over and over again, as we're passing them, we're showing that we're growing in maturity of character. So for three weeks now, we've been looking into the life of Joseph. We started in Genesis 37, but we're going to give Joseph a break today. Joseph's going to get a break today. We're going to take a look into the lives and experiences of a few different biblical figures. So let's pray real quick as as we get into things. Lord, this morning, we, we know that you're here. It is evident. Your presence is here. You're touching minds, you're healing bodies, you're making wrong things right, you're bringing forgiveness, you're strengthening us, and what we want now, Lord, is to hear from your word, to be encouraged, to be edified, to be strengthened by it, and we thank you for the instruction of your word, in Jesus' name, amen? His word is is anointed, it is powerful. My message today is called Dine and Dash, and I'm hoping that none of you have actually ever done that. Gone into a restaurant, sat down, ordered, eaten, and then just left without paying. (laughs) Sounds absurd, right? Sounds absurd. That's typically what it means to dine and dash. Unfortunately, this dining and, and dashing, believe it or not, this happens in churches too. This happens in churches too, not just restaurants. People will come in and and eat of God's word, consume the benefits of of being part of of the family of God, but yet not commit themselves to him, not commit their time, their talents, their treasure. And and the kickback from that 
ultimately is that people in communities fail to be reached. People in communities fail to be reached. Resources begin to become depleted, and there begins to be this struggle to replenish them. You see, every single person attending a local church body plays a very significant role in the growth and impact that that church has to its people, the surrounding neighborhoods and, and community, and, and beyond. If you remember a few weeks back, I, I was speaking to you guys about this unique value that each one of you have. You have a unique value. Being, being part of this church body, you are bringing your unique value with you, and we need it. I need you. We need each other. We need that unique value that each one of us brings. The idea behind today's message is that we're going to address, we're going to address when there, there are commands from God that, that we either don't do or we delay in doing them or sometimes what we do is we attempt to do them differently than, than the way they should be done. So as we endeavor into this, I just want, I want to give this dis- disclaimer, okay? It might sting a little today, just a smidge, right? Because God's word is not out to harm us, but to instruct us, right? Just like when your parents say, eat that broccoli or eat those peas. And you're like, I don't like those peas. I don't like that broccoli, but they're like, but it's good for you. So you know you got to eat it because it's good for you. Uh, it was like, if you're in my house, uh, I mean, we love peas and broccoli. So that's, that's, not a, that's not a thing. So purposefully, I do not mean for anything that we talk about today to um, come off as mean, <laughs> right? That's, that, that's not the, the intention this morning. However, I'm willing to bet, including myself, that some of us are going to walk away with some conviction. And Pastor Robert was sharing with us just recently, this significant difference between condemnation, which is very general. You're not good enough. I can't believe you did that. You're the only one who does that kind of stuff. Versus conviction from the Holy Spirit, which is very specific. Oh, man, you maybe shouldn't have said that thing to that person. And then that person comes to your mind. And then the Holy Spirit begins to reveal, oh, you know what? Maybe you shouldn't. Or, hey, uh, how about you not? Don't buy that right now because... Now's not a good time. You know, there's these specific ways that the Holy Spirit is speaking and bringing conviction. And, and that's, that's very healthy for us. It's very healthy. There can be times. There can be catastrophic consequences when we step outside of God's will. Would you agree? With that, that there can be. There can be catastrophic consequences when we step outside of God's will, either by not doing what he asked, delaying to respond, making alterations of our own to the way we carry out his will, what he's asked of us. And it's not that God is mean when he allows catastrophic consequences. I'm, I'm sure Job probably felt a pretty particular way when Job was going through his experiences in life. It's not that God is being mean when he allows certain consequences to occur. Psalm 25, 8 actually says this. It says that the Lord is good and upright. Other translations might say he's fair and he's just. And he is. And the verse continues on to say, and he teaches sinners in the way. So we know this. When we look at God's word, we know God is teaching us to do the right thing. Would you agree with that? 
God's word is teaching us to do the right thing. However, sometimes we don't, including myself. Romans 6.23, you're probably, most of you familiar with this, the wages of sin is death, but here's the part that we love so much. We don't like that part so much. But we like this part. But the gift of God, yes, God will, <laughs> is eternal life through Jesus. We like gifts from God, but we don't like this wages, sin, death. Can we change that part, Lord? No. I do want you to be encouraged, though. I want you to know that we can change our ways. Parents, ever said that to your kids? You need to change. <laughs> I need to see some change. We can change our ways. We can get back in sync with God. If we've gotten out of sync, he'll forgive us upon our confession, our repentance, according to 1 John 1, 9. But listen, just because, all right, hear me when I say this, just because we get back in sync with God does not guarantee that we will be delivered out of the hand of consequence. It doesn't guarantee it. We may. We may. You might think over your life and, and, and recall sometimes where you're like, God, thank you that you did not allow that thing. And then there might have been other times where you're, you think back and you're like, I will never do that again. Why? Because of the consequence. It has a way of teaching you. In Numbers 20, uh, we, we see this, this interaction between Moses and, and the people of Israel and God. And, you know, there's two times where there's a rock involved in water because the people are thirsty. And Moses, you know, he, he had a little bit of a temper, got, kind of got frustrated at times with the people of Israel because um, I think stiff-necked is the, the words he used to, to describe them. And um, this second time in, in Numbers 20, God commands Moses to provide water for the people. He says, speak to the rock. But instead, Moses takes a staff and he, and he smashes the rock. Well, because of that, God did not allow Moses into the promised land. What a consequence. What a con this is the same man God used to part the Red Sea. You know, Moses died at 120 years old, and he was in perfect health, according to Deuteronomy 34.7. If you look in Scripture, you see that uh, certain translations will say that his eyesight had not diminished, and his body was full of vigor, died in perfect health. God was just done with him and wouldn't allow him into the promised land over a rock and some water. Can you believe? Now, if you're wondering, for us Christians as followers of Jesus, just if you're wondering, doesn't, doesn't asking God to forgive my sin and, and my rebellion, my rebellion put all of that, my sin, all my rebellion, doesn't it put it under the blood of, of Jesus? And doesn't it cause me to escape this impending death that I would otherwise have suffered? And there's something I think we need to understand, okay? As children of God, by our confession and repentance, we are released from condemnation. We are. Romans 8, 1 John 1 tells us this. But we are not always 
released from the consequences that follow. Some might ask, well, aren't they the same thing? Condemnation and, and, and consequence? And really, the, the, the short answer to that is no, they're, they're not the same. They're not the same thing. So how, how is it then that uh, we're able to avoid or, or can we, I don't know if you're wondering this, can we reverse consequences at times? I mean, what, what exactly can we do? Is, is, there, is there any way for the believer to counter consequence? And again, another short answer, uh, is I would say yes, there is a way. There, and if you're wondering how, we change. We change. We stop doing the thing that's causing the consequence, and we obey. We become obedient. You guys still love me? Look me in the eyes. Do you love me? Okay. Okay. Because this, listen, this applies to me too. I've had a lot of consequence. I just turned 46, and I'm telling you right now, I've got miles of consequence. And I look back, I'm just like, oh, I wish I had never. I wish I, those people, I wish I never knew them. That thing, oh, oh wish I had never. You might recall these times yourself, a situation or two, there was consequence. So we're going to go over three con concepts today of not doing what God asks, delaying to do what he asks, and altering the way we do what God asks, along, like I said, with some fresh biblical figures. We gave Joseph the day off today. We're going to see what we can learn so that we can make a practice of avoiding some mistakes. Does that sound good? Avoiding mistakes? I don't know about you, but that gets me excited. If God's going to teach me how I can avoid some mistakes, man, I'm all, I'm all ears. I'm all in. You see, the principles of God apply and are the same whether it's a non-negotiable command that applies to all of us, like love your neighbor. That applies to every single one of us, right? But God told Moses specifically, he gave him a specific thing. And sometimes God gives us specific stuff, right? God said, speak to the rock, but he was mad. So wham, and he smashes the rock. And God's like, you didn't trust me. You didn't I just, I, 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 it's not like I'm asking a lot of you. You know what I'm saying? Like, speak to the rock. And there you are, just smashing things. What are you, Wreck-It Ralph? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we got to have a little humor, right? Because I said this is going to sting a little. So here, here's, I'm going to make this a little bit more lively for you. I decided that since some of this might produce some conviction, uh, all of the points, I've got three points here, and all of the names are going to be humorous, okay? I like to be a little funny because God's word is, is, is serious, but he likes to have fun too, right? He created humor and, and laughter. So we're going we're gonna to get into it. Here, here's our first point today. First, first point, number one is called, oh, snap. When doing nothing costs you everything. We're going to start in, in Matthew 25, verse 14. As we get into this, this might sound quite familiar to you, all right? Here, here, here's a parable for you. It says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, or bags of silver, to another two and to another one, to each according to his own ability, 
and immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug a hole in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. Verse 20. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides him. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I've gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Doesn't that just sound like words you want to hear? Enter into the joy of your Lord. Verse 24, but he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you've not sown, gathering where you've not scattered seed, and I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there, you have what is yours. I can only imagine the scene, you know, little roots hanging off of it, a clump of dirt on it. Look, I didn't lose it. Here it is, you can have it back. But his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant. I mean, the roasting was fierce. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him, give it to him who has 10 talents, for to everyone who has, more will be given. Remember this. To everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not, who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And verse 30 just rocks me. There's some language in this verse that if this was said to me, I would probably never be the same. And cast the unprofitable servant. Basically he's saying, good for nothing. If anybody's ever said that to you, I, I'm willing to think that probably hurt more than most things that have ever been said to you. You good for nothing. Cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You've heard likely many times here, here at Reimagine Church that we believe this. We believe our time, our talents, our treasure all belong to God. We agree on that, right? It all belongs to him. We are caregivers, right? We've talked about this over the years. We're, we're stewards of what God gives us. We must steward well what God has entrusted with us and submit it all back to him. All of our time, our talents, our treasure, we give to God the best, and this principle of giving God the best, maybe you've heard this as well too. It's called our first fruits. He gets our first fruits, not what's left over after we've had our fill. After we filled our calendar with all the other things we got going on, oh, maybe I can make that group 
a few times, maybe. Oh, I'll make it to church a couple times this month. Or this or that or, 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 or the other thing. Listen, I'm not shaming anybody. I'm just perspective, perspective. We don't want to give God what's left over. We want God to have the first and best, the first and best. If we hold back from God and we don't steward what he's entrusted us with, like the servant who did nothing with the one talent or bag of silver that he was given, could you imagine if we ended up with his same fate? That scares me to death. To think if I hold back from God, that that could be my fate. If I say, no, I thought you to be like this, so I didn't. And he was to say, you, unprofitable servant. I don't, I, just the thought of it wrecks me on the inside. Even what we have could be taken from us. I want to share something really powerful with you this morning. When God gets the best of you, your time, talents, and treasure, you're not only answering his call for you to do so, but you are functioning in your highest divine purpose. Your highest divine purpose. When God gets the best of your time, talents, and treasure, you're not only answering the call to do so, but the highest divine purpose you could function in with him and for him is by doing that. Take a look with me, Matthew 25, verse 34. Listen to these words. It says, then the king will say to those on his right hand, come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Verse 37, then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, Lord, when, when did we see you hungry and feed you or, or thirsty and, and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, this, these last words right here, these last words, you ready? Assuredly, I say to you in as much as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, he says, you did it unto me. Your highest divine purpose. And when I read that, I'm thinking to myself, these, these righteous ones must have been so connected in to the work of the kingdom that they weren't even, they weren't keeping record of all the good stuff they were doing. They weren't letting their, their right hand know what their left hand was doing. They were doing as they were doing, as they know they should have done. Why? Because they loved God and they knew God loved them and they knew God loved people. So they did the things that they knew were the right thing to do. And then, and then when they hear, when they hear from God, but when, 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 when did, I mean, I'm, I'm, we probably did, but I don't, I don't remember that. And God is saying, but when, when you did it to the least of these my people, my brethren, you did it to me. It was like you were bringing it for me. 
Here's our second point. Sorry, I'm late. Um, I was stuck 20,000 leagues under the sea. When our response to God is, it's delayed. Jonah chapter one, I think you know where I'm going. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee. We ain't even but three verses in. Three verses, and Jonah already decided, mm-mm. Not them. You crazy. (laughs) Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Verse four. But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea and there was a mighty tempest on the sea. And so that the ship was about to be broken up. Then the mariners were afraid and every man cried out to his God and threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down to the lowest part of the ship, had lain down and fell fast asleep. This, this man. Verse six. So the captain came to him. What do you mean, sleeper? That's what it says. What do you mean, Sleeper, arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. Then they said to one another, come, let us cast lots so that we may know for whose fault this is. Basically, that's what they're saying. Whose cause this trouble has come upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. Surprise, surprise, surprise. Some of y'all get that. Then they said to him, perhaps, no, excuse me, please tell us. For whose cause is this trouble upon us? What is your, now they're like, I want to know your social security number. I want to know your address. Show me some ID, sir. Show me some ID. They're asking him, what's your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? So he said to them, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, why have you done this? Couldn't you imagine? They're, they're, they're setting out. They don't know who this guy is. He's paying the fare. They're like, getting on the boat. It's going to be a great day. Things are great. And then all of a sudden they're like, what happened? What happened? They were exceedingly afraid and said to him, why have you done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them, verse 11. Then they said to him, what shall we do to you that the sea may be calm for us? For the sea was growing more temptuous. Then he said to him, pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you. For I know that this great tempest is because of me. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to return to land, but they could not, for the sea continued to grow more temptuous against them. Therefore, they cried out to the Lord and said, We pray, God, forgive us. Do not let us perish for this man's life, and do not charge us with innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah, threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its rage. That blows my mind. That blows my mind. Man overboard. Oh, everything's good now. (laughs) 
Anybody else see what just happened? I mean, I guess you had to be there. Verse 16. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly. These were guys who were just calling out to their other gods. Now they're worshiping Jonah's God. A little bit of revival happening there. It was a wild time that day. And they even offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. Verse 17, now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Wasn't traumatizing whatsoever. No, I'm sure he was all right. Mentally intact, no issues. Jonah chapter two tells us all about Jonah's repentance and how the great fish vomited Jonah up onto dry land. Jonah chapter three, starting at verse three, says this. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah second time. Saying, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. You ready? Verse. (laughs) Jonah rose and he went to Nineveh. I got you this time, Lord. I got it. We're good. According to the word of the Lord, now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three-day journey in extent, and Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Then he cried out and said, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaiming a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. Then word came to the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne and laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes, and he caused it to be a, and proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water. But let man and beast be covered with... I mean, these people were serious in their repentance. I mean, even the animals. It's really even, yo, Fido, you got to repent. I'm repenting. You're repenting. Okay. Betsy the cow out there, repent. Everyone's repenting. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to God. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish? Then God saw their works, that they turned from their evil. What did they do? They changed. What did they do? They began to obey. Did they counter the consequence? They changed. So yes, because it says right here, God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God relented. From the disaster that he had said, he would bring upon them. And he did not do it. There's your proof. The moral of the story Okay, we're going to get into some some more heavy stuff here. The moral of the story is that the empty space between God speaking and when we choose to obey can be devastating. Just ask Jonah. Now, I'm not talking about when when there are things that, you know, you're unaware of uh, because you you just you just haven't learned them yet. This is a specific empty space. God says something to us. God said, Jonah, go to Nineveh. He said, mm, I don't like them. I'm going to go to Tarshish. That's how, I love saying that, Tarshish. 
Not Nineveh, God. This is a specific empty space. God says something to us, or we discover something in his word, because you know it can happen that way too. You're reading the Bible, and all of a sudden you're like, there it is. Was there the whole time. Oh, boy. You ever been there? Reading scripture, and you're like, oh. Oh, snap. That empty space, that place of running from God, prayerlessness, disobedience, it can affect not only our lives, but the lives of many others. Did you know that? Remember the men on the ship with Jonah? Yeah, they had a day. Started off good, had to throw a man overboard. Usually, if a man goes overboard, they're trying to get him out of the water. This time, they're like, no, you got to go. We are not the only ones affected by our delayed responses to God's callings, commands, and direction for us. Listen, when God speaks or, or when you're reading Scripture and, and, and you get revelation, change is demanded. It's demanded. Often, that change also comes with urgency. Urgency. Because when God reveals something to you, the expectation is high, right? God's not like, you know, listen. We're going to take a little time. I'm going to get, I'm, you can, it's fine. It, when you're ready. When you're ready. Now, we do have God's grace. We're going to get into that in a, little, in, in a minute here. I'm going to park that for now. So often this change comes with urgency. Why? Because time is short. Time's short. We don't know when our last breath is going to be, and our processes in life are actually very closely connected to the processes of others, sometimes more closely than we even realize. There's a lot of overlap. Sometimes we don't see it, but it's there. What does that mean specifically? Listen to this. You ready? What we choose to do or not do or take our time in doing, it has power, power to either lift somebody up or hold them back. What we choose to do, not do, or take our time in doing has power to either lift someone up or hold somebody back. Here's point number three. This might make you hungry. I thought this was Burger King. What do you mean I can't have this my way? It's my life, right? This is my journey. What do you mean I can't have it my way? Mark 7, Mark chapter 7, starting at verse 1. says this. Then the Pharisees and some of the scribes came together to him, having come from Jerusalem. Now when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defiled, that is, with unwashed hands, they found fault. They were like, mm, that's gross, y'all. Jesus, seriously. <sighs> For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands in a special way. <laughs> oh, oh. 
We got special soap in our house. I don't know. Holding the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other things which they have received and hold, like the washing of cups, pitchers, copper vessels, and couches. I mean, I did wash the covers to one of my couches yesterday, but it's not normal that I do that. I'm just saying. Couches? Okay. Verse 5. Then the Pharisees and scribes asked, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands? And he answered and said to them, Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you, hypocrites? Jesus, I mean, he was a roaster. No, seriously. Hypocrites, as it was written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of God. You hold the tradition of men, the washing of pitchers and cups and many other such things you do. He said to them, all too well you reject the command of God that you may keep your tradition. Wow. For Moses said, honor your father and your mother and he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, (laughs) you say, if a man says to his father or mother, whatever profit you might have received from me is, is Corbin. That is a, it's, a, it's a gift to God. Then you no longer let him do anything for his father or his mother. They're basically saying, you don't need to give to your parents. Bring it to us. Bring it, just bring it to us. We'll take care of it for you. You don't need to give it to them. They're fine. making the word of God of no effect through your tradition, which you have handed down, and many such things you do. Here's what I want you to take away from what we just read. We're winding down now. The word of God becomes no effect. It becomes of no effect when we change it. And we see from this example of the Pharisees Jesus is telling them, you're basically practicing the the commands of men, not the commands of God. Your traditions, your traditions, your traditions. You want to make it your own way. The word of God becomes of no effect when we change it. The word of God becomes of no effect when we change it to fit our circumstance, whatever the circumstance may be. Becomes of no effect. Deuteronomy 4.2 says this. You shall not add to the word which I command you, nor take from it that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you. And Revelation 22, starting at verse 18, says this. For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are Written in this book, and if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. 
I don't know much about that sets me pretty straight right there. So how do we respond? <laughs> how, do we, how do we respond to that? And I know jokingly I said this, but you know, I, I hope you guys understand. What we're talking about today, this was a little tough. It was a little tough. But God's word does that, right? It's, it, sometimes it, it produces conviction in a way that we're like, oh, man, Lord, oh, man, I thought it was just all lubby-dubby. And now you want me to change? <sighs> right. Well, change we must. Let's stand up together. So just, so we're clear as we finish things out today, I want to make sure that nobody walks away from this message feeling condemnation or shame, okay? You guys hear my heart on that? That, that is not the heart of what it is that we talked about today and the things that I, that I shared with you. Do not receive any condemnation or shame. If you're feeling conviction, however, about something, however it is that the Holy Spirit it may be speaking to you, I want you to know that is very, very healthy. We want that. We want that in our lives. We, if we're not hearing from God telling us this needs to go, this needs to go, this needs to change, that's, that's, a, that's dangerous. We examined ourselves this morning before we took communion because Scripture instructs us to do so so that we don't take communion in an unworthy manner, meaning we know that there's just sin and we're just allowing it. And we're not doing anything about it, but, oh, we just go and take communion and just want God to bless our lives. It doesn't work like that. God wants to bless you. He has tons of blessing for you. He wants you to live an abundant life. But you know what, what he's also requiring from us? Faithfulness and obedience. A spotless bride. A spotless bride. Here's the cool thing. All the stuff that he would expect of us, he's not asking us to do it in our own strength. Because we can't. I can't. We just can't. So you know what we get? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who fills us and gives us power and strength as we yield and then he strengthens us to accomplish the things that, he, that, that God is asking of us. Isn't that awesome? Thank you, Lord. God gives us grace. I told you I was going to mention that to you. I want you to think of grace like this. It's like empowerment. God is empowering you. He's giving you grace. Because we step into relationship with God broken. Needing fixing. We need salvation. We need transformation. And that transformation part is an ongoing work where when we partner with the Holy Spirit, the will of God is being worked out in our lives. We yield, and then the fruit of the Spirit is produced. We yield to the Holy Spirit. He's leading us and guiding us, and we're submitting, and then the fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, all those things, they just begin to be produced in our lives. So as we close in prayer today, we're going to pray right now. I want to give every single one of us, including myself, I want to give us an opportunity to talk to God. So if you, 
If you wanna bow your head, if you wanna close your eyes, if you wanna lift your hands, however, however you wanna do this, I wanna give you a moment right now as we're closing out. I want you to talk to him and ask him. Ask him specifically. If you've not asked God specific questions yet, I would encourage you, ask him specific questions all the time. Ask him. He's never gonna despise you for bringing specifics to him. Ask him, why is it like this, God? Why do I respond like that? Why do I feel like this? Why does my family act like that? Why, why? Ask him. Ask him this morning, Lord, is there anything in my life that you've asked of me and I've either not done it or I'm delaying in doing it or I'm trying to change up the way that is supposed to be done. Take a moment and ask him. right now you hear the cry that your people are lifting up to you right now that we would follow your instruction when you speak we would respond with urgency that when you bring revelation that we would change we would obey and we need help doing that and we thank you that you give us the Holy Spirit who convicts of sin righteousness and judgment that you give us the Holy Spirit so that we have the strength that we need to do the things that you would ask of us. And what we're asking, Lord, is that we would not deny you. That when you speak, we would say, yes, Lord, always. And we're asking this morning, Lord, if there are times in our lives where you've said, something specific and we didn't or we delayed or we tried to change the rules or if that's something that we're experiencing now Lord collectively we're asking you if it's personal to us or if it applies to this church as a whole we're asking you to please forgive us we confess and we thank you for your forgiveness this morning and we're asking you Lord as Lord that next opportunity is being prepared for us to again when just like when the word of the Lord came a second time to Jonah and, and he said Nineveh yeah let's go Lord when, when that if there is another opportunity if there's another Nineveh experience for us that you're calling us to Lord may we not resist you May we allow you to work through us in the way that you want to so that lives are reached and touched, that communities are changed, Lord. 
we just come right now before you and we say, here am I. Here am I. Holy Spirit, come and have your way. And we thank you right now. We thank you right now. I feel like the Holy Spirit just wants me to encourage for whoever this is for this morning. It might be for all of us. It could definitely apply to all of us, but this might mean something real specific to someone or more than one person. It is not too late. If you're thinking or you've had that thought, it's too late. It's too late. No, it is not too late. Let him do what only he can do. Just say yes to him. Just say yes to him. Lord, we surrender all the outcomes to you. We thank you this morning that your word will accomplish what it is set out to do. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so listen, you're released, but if you want prayer, we're going to have members of our altar team available to pray with you this morning. So come on up. We want to pray with you. Enjoy the rest of your day. Stay strong. Be blessed. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. We would like to ask you a simple question. What has God spoken to you today? And how would he have you respond? We would sure love to hear from you. You can reach out to us with your prayer requests, your comments, or your questions at reimaginepeople.com and by clicking the Connect tab. We would also like to invite you to join us again next week for another encouraging and inspirational message from Reimagine Church.